What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn, we've got to do a new ad, mate. We do. We're long overdue. We're not going to be sponsoring Einzerwiener anymore. Yeah, well, fuck that no longer. He's fucking not paying us. <laughs> no. We've just figured out. No. We just, he's sitting right here in front of us <laughs> and we've just figured out he hasn't actually been paying all no this time. No wonder there's no bread and milk on my table fuck. in this house. After we were just nice to him. <laughs> we're just, fuck him. We're just flattering him. We were just whining and dining him, <laughs> looking after him like a big fucking client we'd look after and then we find out he hasn't find been out paid he the hasn't bill. Find out he hasn't been paying us. He's doing it right now, so <laughs> we may as well tell people that if they're in Australia and you need dog gear. Don't get it from him. Well, get it from wait, him. Wait until he pays the get bill. Get it from him so that he can pay us. <laughs> What's your stupid website, Jason? E-I-N-Z-W-E-C-K.com. There you go. Get your stuff from there. Okay. All right, on to the real sponsors. Yes, the people who actually pay the bills. Canine suticles. Yep. The best canine suticles. Premium grade, yep. human quality. Yeah. It's going gangbusters at the moment. Thank you to the community who have been supporting yeah. it. It's great shit. Dan Croft. Yes. In Canada. In Canada. Yes. Toronto, Canada, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Well, we're we pushing for him. It's puppy class. Puppy class. Yeah. Amazing puppy classes in a great facility. Barbara de Groot. From the heart dog training. Barbara just loves us and we she love She just Barbara. loves us. Barbara is our sugar mama. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that literally is the thing's called, right? Yeah. The tear that she called. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The sugar mama tear. Thank you, Barbara. We appreciate it. Thank you, Barbara. You. We love you. Horny George Kittredge. Yes. Rowdy Hound Dog Boxes. Yeah. yeah. The box is incredible. I saw it for the. Did we talk about this? Have we done it? We ad have. Since? We yeah. have talked about how amazing the boxes is. You and I traveled from. Where did he pick us up? What, what airport? That was, was uh, in Colorado. Colorado. He showed us the prototype. Yeah. We was talking through it. You and I were sort of thinking, this is never going to take off. Yeah. And finally. He does it. He pulls it off. Not only does he pull it off, it's fucking brilliant. Like it's safe. And he also does classes where he teaches people how to use them as well. Like teaches the dogs how to get up on the bike seat and then load into the box itself. And it's bloody brilliant. It's incredible. Really proud of George. Lovely guy. And I'm really happy that this is paying out for him. All right. Daniel Trapino? It's actually Tropiano. He corrected me. Okay. So anyway, Daniel Trapino. Dog Club, South Dog Club Australia. Australia. Yeah. It's a cool little facility he's yeah, got It's a there. great facility. Get yes. in, check it out. He does all the, all the training. Yeah, he's decked it out. He's got it all looking schmick. It's a bit street. It's a bit edge. It's a bit kitschy. You yeah, know? he's got some cool artwork yeah, and stuff there. Check yeah. it out for yeah, sure. It's great. It's about time South Australia started lifting its game. Good on you, Daniel. Yeah, leading the charge down there. Well done. We've got a new one. Who we got? Tailored Canines. We have too. They contacted us on Instagram, yep. stumbled into our advertising <laughs> tier, and away <laughs> we go. Yep. So they're in Canada. They are. They're in Ontario. Gold, Nipopo gold people, yeah, gold multiplicators. I think, I think they're a gold multiplicator. Yep. yep. So if you're recently certified as a silver school and you're mm-hmm. looking for somewhere to do your gold yep. and you're around the Canada or just anywhere up that northern part of the Americas, check it out. So Taylor they Canines. do puppy, adult group classes, private and board and train programs. There you go. So thank you for jumping on and advertising with us. Hey, everyone. 
If you would like to be an advertiser, <laughs> don't do it. Reach out to us. Shut up, you bullfed. So I know that on Patreon, and we appreciate people just putting money in there. That's wonderful. Yes. But we do have to limit how many people we have. And so get in contact with us. Make sure that we actually can serve you and that we actually, you know, can provide you value as an advertiser. And that you align with our ethos as well. Of that, course. That's very important. That would be appreciated. To recap. Our sponsors are, and the people we love because they give us a lot of money. Yes. Well, it's not a lot of money, but some money. Yeah. Einzewick, he promises he's going to do it. He's look, I'm looking at him now. I'm looking at the reflection of him fixing Has it. Has that gone through yet? No, because still trying. Has got shit behind, so. <laughs> Dan Croft, puppy classes, yep. cool facility. Barbara DeGroot. Amazing sugar mama, love her, from the heart dog training. George Kittridge. Rowdy Hound Dog Boxes. Daniel Tropiano, Tropino. Dog clubs, Troppy Daniel, <laughs> Dog clubs, Australia, yeah, and new to the family, tailored canines, yeah, all the way from Ontario, Canada. So we've got two Canadians. That'll do advertising. Yeah, mo- do. mostly from the United States. One from Oz. Well done, well played. Thank you, sirs and madam. Check them out. They support us. You yeah. should support them. Yep. Here's a show. There's a show now. Here's a show. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook. It's the circle jerk slash- It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. (laughs) It doesn't feel like Christmas. You don't think so? No, not for me. I know you and I have been talking about this in our kitchen slash green room pre-production show, but Mm. I guess for me, and I probably squawked on this before, but I guess for me, everybody ramps down and we don't. But oh, I don't know, man. I used to really get excited about Christmas. I really got excited about Christmas. Yeah. I love the feel of it. love the lights. I love seeing lights out. But I'm not, I don't know. I feel like a bit of a killjoy. I'm just not as excited yeah, about Christmas. The Grinch. It's not even Grinchy. It's not that I don't want Christmas to happen. I want it to happen. I love Christmas. I used to love waking up in the morning, watching TV, and just even that Christmassy type of ads. Mm-hmm. Like that really alerted you that Christmas was coming. Mm-hmm. It's probably because I don't watch a lot of mainstream TV anymore. I yeah. don't see. No one does. Yeah. We're watching <laughs> Netflix and Stan and yeah, all that sort of stuff instead. But yeah, I guess for you with kids, little kids, it's a Christmas that for Axel, it's one of the first ones he's sort of coming online with about Christmas. Yeah, he still is kind of not got it. Like yeah. we've seen Santa a couple of times. We haven't got the photos of Santa, but he's still, he's two and a half. So he's kind of just coming to understand. Yeah. As well, being my second, he's spoiled because he has everything. Like mm. Rip's got eight years worth of toys that he's no longer interested in. So Axel's got eight years worth of toys. He kind of wants for nothing. Does Rip resource Guardy's toys? No, nah, no. Nah. Nothing? Because he's not. Nah. Well, I hate certain things, but yep. they're not the things that Axel's into, you know. So, yep. like, it's fine because there's a big enough gap in between them that it's not really an so issue. So he's kind of happy to go, meh, just yeah. you take that. Yeah, yeah totally. that's cool. For the most part, yeah. Mm. But end of year, this will probably be the last one that comes out of the year. So it's time for... It won't. It won't? Uh, no, I think we've got one more next week with a special yeah, we've guest. Yeah, we've got it lined up, but it probably wouldn't be released this year, would it? Uh, I think so. I think oh. I'll have it out before. Oh, well, all right. Yeah, I well, will try now to. I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is meant to be the pep talk for Well, for this can still be the pep talk because the next one we do will be a guest Straight talk. Straight at it. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. guest talk. This, this is the pep talk. This is the things that you probably should consider 
doing a better job of. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the circle jerk and it's the pep talk. It's what we do seem to do every year. Circle jerk. I'm not mm. like we talk about it every year. We say we're not really like New Year's resolution. It's just another day, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But it's a reset. It's a chance to like put a line in the sand and go, hey, I'm going to be fucking better on the other side of this line. Yeah. And with good intention and, and really try and develop something, set some goals, all the things, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So we did it last year. We told people, become a dog trainer. Do it in 2023. We did it. Well, do what you want to do. Yeah. Do what you want to do. Be what you want to be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a great song lyric. Yeah. There are certain times where people have said that they want to do something in a conversation and I kind of think, oh, don't do that, for God's sake. And then you'll walk in the room and go, yeah, do it. Yeah, just lean into it. Go Fuck for yeah. it. And I kind of think, why not? Yeah. If that's really what you want to do. Give it a try. Yeah. You never really know until you put your hand in something whether it's going to be amazing. And just because it didn't work out for you doesn't mean it won't work out for somebody else. Mm -hmm. An example of that is one of my mates that I knew years ago and keep in periodic contact with, his kid wanted to get into photography and he kept talking him out of it saying, mate, you know, I used to do it for a hobby. It doesn't really go anywhere. His kid's a magnificent photographer. Mm -hmm. He travels the world. He's, geez, he's met a myriad of people. But he's just having a great time doing things, meeting people, doing the things he loves, getting paid for it. He's on permanent vacation all the time. Perfect. And his parents are proud of him. They love him. They've got his artwork in the house. Had he have taken his father's advice and thought this is a dead-end career, it's not going to serve me, and never really put any investment into it, what sort of parallel life would he have been living? Mm. Yeah, I guess sometimes there is good cautions. I feel like if you've got a trusted person or a parental figure, they could say to you, I don't know how this is going to turn out for you, but this is how it turned out for me. So maybe here's some of the pitfalls to avoid. Rather than say, just don't do it, just say, look, here's some of the things you should avoid. Here's some of the types of people that you should avoid along the way. But throw yourself into it. You're your own person. You're here to make your own mistakes and also create your own experiences. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Hey, so this morning I did the live stream for Patreon. Yep. The first question it was Tenua asked, what was my most memorable dog moment of 2023? Mm -hmm. And what is my one goal for 2024? Do you have an answer to that? FYI, I don't read any of the questions that come in on that. Mostly it's time, <laughs> but they're real responses from me. So I found myself a little bit on the spot with that as well. Yeah, I guess I'm unprepared for that question off the cuff. So it's probably something that needs a little bit of contemplation mm -hmm. before I could just answer it off the cuff because now I've got to sift through memories. Yeah, yeah. When I thought about it and I was like, okay, what's my most memorable dog moment? Mm. And you'd think that there'd be an event, a dog that I saw, a thing that I did, a place that I went or anything. And what it was, was I was thinking, I don't know if you remember, but sort of around February, March was when Remy was probably in the worst shape that he'd been in. Like, and I don't know why, I still don't really know, like he just has a bunch of niggling injuries and they were sort of probably all just flared up at that time or something like that. Yep. But I was surprised he was alive every day. And by the end of each day, I was like, fucking hell, man, we made it through another one, right? And, yep. and we went again. And at the moment now he's in pretty good shape, like for an old dog. He's seven, you know, like he's not a young dog and he's not sprightly, but he's well enough. He's fine. You wouldn't observe him and think that he was a dog that is in such bad shape that earlier in the year. And so that was for me, my biggest memory was thinking, fuck, my dog's not going to make it through this year. And he has, which has been incredible, mm. right? So he's well. And so that was for me. I kind of framed that in my mind immediately as being like, well, that was the most memorable thing of 2023 was that I didn't think my dog was going to survive the year and he has and he's fine. And so it was like kind of uplifted by that. And then when I think about what's my one goal for 2024 in dogs, 
that's a crazy thing to say. Like I've got a lot of goals, you know, I've got a lot of personal goals. I've got family goals. I've got work goals. I've got all these sorts of things, like things that I'm working towards. Yeah. But if I had to distill that all down to one thing, I was like, fuck, what would I do? What occurred to me immediately was that I want to be happy with myself in 2024. I want to choose all of my actions, all of the things that I do, the people I interact with, the choices I make, but at the end of the day, be like, no, they were good choices. Mm. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to make the right choice all the time. It doesn't mean that things are going to be easy all the time. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be liked all the time. It doesn't mean that I'm going to make people happy all the time. But what I'm going to do at the end of every day, my goal is anyway, is to reflect upon things and be happy with myself. And I want to look at it and go like, you handled that in a way that I feel good about myself having done it. And that's my goal for 2024. I think that's a great goal. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. I do like the pursuit of happiness type of goals. I've said this a myriad of times before, but it warrants saying it again, is that I don't feel like I just want to box myself into being one type of person. Mm -hmm. And that's not a slight on anybody else. This is just how I feel about things. Because... For me, I kind of felt that when I did single myself into one scope of thinking, although I felt it was the right thing, it created deterioration around other things in Mm -hmm. my life. And they're the sort of things that I desperately want to avoid going forward. I do like the idea of specializing in things. Mm -hmm. I've loved in being in dogs, but I just don't want it to be a primary focus all the time. Like I don't want it to become a dangerous obsession for me that that's all I have. Mm -hmm. Other people, do what you want. It's your life and far be it from me to ever tell you what you should do and how you should think because I think you should be in control of your own thoughts and actions. I think we go to people and I feel that their advice is very good sometimes when it's the right type of person for the right moment. But I also feel that there's people that we have around us that their advice or even that their seditious nature sometimes can suck us down into a circle of despair Mm -hmm. and get us thinking about something else. Now I shared with you before a very troubling event that I was having just playing guitar, you know, like I've harped on about this in previous episodes, but I got to a point of despair where I didn't like the way I sounded. And I thought that I was very juvenile in how I sounded and how I was playing and everything like that. I started to really spiral down into like a fucking terrible way of thinking to the point where I just thought I am going to break all these fucking things. I'm going to burn them in the backyard. (laughs) Like what's the point? Why did I do this? What am I trying to prove? Did I even do this for myself or am I just doing it to impress other people or why am I doing it? When I contemplate it, I wanted to do it for myself. Like I love listening to other people playing nice melodies on guitars and I thought I would love to do that. I'd love to have that talent. Even if I'm sitting in a room by myself just to pick up a guitar and be able to well, I'm lost in my thoughts or I'm troubled with something that's going on in the world just to be able to harmonize and sit down there and make that a part of my meditation. And there's been times where that's been a real reality, where that's really manifested for me. But there's also times where I've listened to other people and I've compared myself and I thought, I ain't that. Mm. Like, what the fuck was I thinking? Mm. You know, this is just stupid. Like I was listening to Casey playing something banging away while he was sitting in his room talking to the dogs. I'm just thinking, man, he just makes it look so effortless. Mm -hmm. For me, it's always fucking effort. Mm -hmm. There's just a grind in it. But then I realised we've been talking about that. This is part of life. The grind is the education. Mm. And what I did was I also had myself in a point of time where 
I keep telling people all the time, your problem isn't what you think it is. It's just because there's too much. There's too much information or there's too much expectation of what you're trying to achieve. Like you need to shrink it down. It needs to be incremental compared to where you want to be. When I felt that same way and when those transcendent moments have occurred to me, like it's made all the difference in lots of different thinking, in struggles that I'm having at work, in struggles that I'm having with my dog training and struggles of trying to play things with guitar. And it was about my fucking pinky finger. (laughs) That set the whole thing off is that I could not coordinate my pinky finger to go into a certain chord shape or play a string the way I wanted to because it wouldn't work in the pen of my ring finger. And that was the thing that upset me the most. Mm. And I thought, you are stupid and you're old and you're just being dumb and this is like a fucking stupid thing to do. But switching around and just going back, and I reached out to somebody for some coaching on it. I just Mm. said, I feel stupid. I'm going through this self-pity process at the moment. I need someone to talk to. I need someone to give me those second set of eyes. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. And, mate, it's the same advice I give to everybody else. I had a person come to me for some bite work the other day and we were looking what they're doing. The dog was hectic. It was going over the top. All we did was we went from sleeve back to wedge Mm -hmm. and we just made the dog enjoy the biting again. We Mm -hmm. just made the experience nice and easy and we went from hectic dog, dog that was blowing its ballasts to nice calm dog, developing nice bites. We just went back to basics. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly the same advice that, this mentor gave me on trying to fix what I was doing. It was just go back to basics, man. Yeah. Why are you pushing yourself? You're making yourself miserable. I really feel that a lot of the problems that we're creating for ourselves are we're involved in too much information too soon. Mm -hmm. We're just not ready for it. Mm -hmm. I was even involved in some gossip the other day where I got up in the conversation and I said, this is too much. I don't want to know about it. Really? I'm, I'm out of it. It's too much for Good me. for you. I just thought, I just don't want to be involved in this. It's too much. It's Fuck yeah. like It's putting my head in a really bad place. I just don't want to be involved in it. I'm, I'm out of here. I don't want to know about it. And I don't need to know anything about it because I can't do anything about it anyway. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing that I can change or no way I can make this better other than join the pity party, get angry about it myself, and then have me spiral into another fucking circle of decay. And I thought, I don't want to do that. And listening to what you said for your goals, I think that's admirable because I want to be a little bit more like that. I want to be less disappointed about things and less unhappy about things. I've been a bit more unhappy about things in 2023 than I wanted to be. Yeah. The year didn't work out for me the way I would would have liked it to have worked out. And I kind of felt that I was in a holding pattern of not knowing what is real and what is relevant And it's not like that every day. It's not like I wake up and sit on my bed every day and just think this is just not working out. It's a bit like I've tried a few things and I've just felt a little directionless in there. And that's around my professional career as well. You know, like we're going through so many changes at the moment. The company is growing and becoming a different manifestation of what it was. And that is both exciting and terrifying. Mm-hmm. especially when it it takes you into different realms. For me, it's not been terribly exciting at some stages of it. Like some stages of it, I've thought this is different than what I remembered it as being. The experiences are different. There's so many different people that I don't have anything to do with anymore. Whereas before I knew everything and did everything, you know, like I knew everything that was going on. Now I don't. Now I'm a passenger. I'm not in the driving seat of it anymore. I'm more of a different person. But that's probably because I've put myself there too. 
willingly I've sort of shifted over into that sort of role where I've thought, mm, that's just different than what I'm used to. Mm. So it, it, it made things a little bit less enjoyable. Yeah, right. But for 2024, I already feel that things are shifting gears. Yeah. I already feel that things are moving in the right direction or if they're not, I'm going to make them move in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Narelle and I have been talking more about things and planning things out. There's lots of things to look forward to, I feel. Fuck yeah. Yeah. There's this stoic quote, I think it's Epictetus, that says, if you want to be beautiful, you have to make beautiful choices. Yes. I don't want to be beautiful. <laughs> I want, I'm not concerned with that. I mean, frankly, I, how could I be more beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> but in reality, I think I want to be happy with all the choices that I make. And I think one of the things about that And something I definitely learned this year is sometimes you have to be very uncomfortable in a particular moment to reflect on that moment later on and go, I made the right choice. Because sometimes the doing the right thing doesn't feel like the right thing at the time. Wait, wait, are you talking about negative reinforcement? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, well, of a a kind. (laughs) But sometimes solving a problem means that you've got to go through the problem instead of around it. Sometimes you've got to put yourself in what feels like an uncomfortable situation once and really strongly so that you don't have to do it again. So that quote that you spoke of with Epictetus, was it? Mm -hmm. That reminds me of another quote that I sent to you the other day, I believe, and it says that the life that you're desiring is on the other side of the work that you're avoiding. Yeah, yeah. And that is something that's been sitting with me. I saw that towards the end of this year and that has been really fucking kicking me in the ass. Mm -hmm. Because there have been some things that I've been trying to get around and mm-hmm. I know that I can't get around them. I have to go through them mm-hmm. or under it or, or there's got to be a way, a different way than what I've been trying to do because there's been things that I've been trying to avoid mm-hmm. and it's just not working out. It doesn't pay off because it's not going away. And in fact, that's where I, I believe that the quote or the saying is it comes back to haunt you. Mm. And those are the things that they're cyclical and they come back. It's like, no, dude, you've got to do this. This is part of the journey and you've got to experience this. You can't avoid it the way you want to. It's going to come back in some sort of manifestation or a different type of manifestation, whether you like it or not. And you have to deal with this because you might avoid this level, but there's going to be level two, three, and four that's going to present itself in almost a parallel fashion to what you're trying to avoid. It's coming. You've got to deal with it in some way. Mm. So I feel that that has happened a couple of times and I have tried to shift gears around it, but it's not working out the way I want it to do. Yeah, it's tricky. It is tricky. The feeling that I feel like we've talked about this a few times, there's a lot of hardship at the moment. The world is experiencing a shift in dynamic. Tax rates went up all around the world. Like since COVID, it's kind of like, well, we're having COVID and you guys have to experience COVID. And now, oh, guess what? You have to pay for COVID mm. because it's your fault that we had COVID. You fuckers gave it to everybody. Now, you, now you're going to have to pay for it. You, you know? fuckers had to breathe. You guys went along with this whole fucking thing. And <laughs> and now it's like you got to pay for it as well because fucked if we're going to pay for you throwing COVID around all over the place. So I kind of feel that that's the reality of everything. Like the world fucking ceased Everything stopped for like a good fucking two-year program. Like manufacturing went down. You're still fucking having trouble getting technology and cars and stuff like that. There's still a backlog of things that are just not happening. Like the world really, like it's trying to get its feet again and people are really feeling the frustration of life. Like it's a very much a 
a mass interruption to normalization. And there are other things that we had to come to terms with, like this is not normal anymore. And then the buzzword came out, well, this is the new normal. Mm. You know, like the politicians love that one. This is the new normal. Well, people didn't feel like it was the new normal. They didn't feel like this is something that I want to feel normal about. This is not how our civilization is bettering itself. In fact, people became grouchier. People became worse with each other. People became more intolerant. There were just a lot of things that were happening. And then on top of that, you throw interest rates up. It's very frustrating for a lot of people. And the dog training community suffered for it. Mm. Numbers went down. People were finding a lot more people than some people who are doing well. There's a lot more people who aren't, who are finding that business is neutralizing or going backwards for them. They're seeing drops between 20 and 50% in revenue. And the episode that you and I put out before Jay, there are a couple of people who reached out to me. I'm not sure if I shared their sentiment with you, but they said, I really was on the cusp of pulling out until you guys spoke about it. Like that was inspiring to us to, to know that there are other people out there who feel it as well, because I feel like I'm on my own and I feel like I'm fighting this on my own. If you are feeling like that, let me tell you, you're not. Mm. Like you're part of a community of a lot of people, not just in the dog training community, but in community expanded beyond that. Like people in different fields that are feeling like, what is wrong at the moment? Mm. Why can't we get a handle on this? Like why did the entire world suddenly go down into this spiral of decay? Rather than make this sound like a miserable discussion about how things can't get better, why not hope for things to get better? Like you said, why not make sure that we're thinking about things on a smaller level rather than concentrating on the big things that are very much there and they probably won't go away, but they're so macro that we're consumed by them because we're not giving thanks for the micro things that do go right in our lives. Mm. That's very conveyable when we do talk about dog training because I really, really feel like a lot of times when I look at problems in dog training, it's a macro issue. Mm -hmm. You have missed so many steps that you have conglomerated this massive issue and you and the dog, even though you felt like you were in parallels before, now you've got this divergency where you're split from each other over this one massive issue where all you really need to do is narrow it back down so the two of you can be grateful for sharing that small amount of information with each other. And I feel like when you go into the micro level, when we talk about increments, then there is suddenly reason to give thanks again. Mm -hmm. Like the two of you start feeling good, you and your dog partnership start feeling good, you and your wife or your boyfriend or girlfriend or family member or colleague at work, now you can start dealing with each other on a better system of communication because you're not dealing with it on a macro level anymore. You've segued me almost beautifully into the meat and potatoes I of love what that. I want to talk about. Beautiful. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question. So sure. you were telling me before and you sort of touched it here about how frustrated you got with your guitar and you're yeah. trying to do something that you felt like you should be able to do. You've seen other people do it. They do it easily, effortlessly. And they're knocking out these tunes that you just cannot seem to be able to pull off. Yep. That sense of frustration that you felt, like, fuck this, I want to smash the guitar, throw it around. Oh, it was pure disgust. When's the last time you felt that way when you're training a dog? That happens periodically. Really? Yeah, that comes in and out of training sometimes. I feel that I'm much more forgiving with dogs now than what I ever used to be. 
but that will periodically come in and out of it. And when I do feel like it, I don't take it as personal anymore. I just turn around and put the dog away. Mm -hmm. I do consume the pills that I deal out to other people in that part of advice because I do tell people when it doesn't feel right anymore, just pop the dog away. Don't mm. feel so angered so, and so personal. You know now how to like interrupt yourself before yes. you get to that. Oh yeah, point. yeah, I can feel yeah. it. I can feel physically transformed when I get angry. It's almost like my skin tightens across my body. Uh-huh. It's a genuine transformation. Like it's like something is trying to get out of me. And I can feel that. And the minute I can start to feel the first stage of that happening when I'm training a dog, I stop training the dog mm. because what happens over the next stage two and stage three of that becomes ugly and it's very unfair. We're not talking about physical harm, but even the psychological way that yeah, that, yeah. that dog turns around and sees the look in my face, you know what it's like. You've been in war. You know what war faces look like. You know what terror looks like. You know what all sorts of things look like. I don't have to tell you how to suck eggs. But there are other people out there who aren't so good at reading the pictures on people's face. Like they can't tell when they're in the room with somebody who's about to break into extreme hostility Mm. because they're just not versed in understanding what that looks like. But I can feel what it feels like now. So when I'm at stage one of it, I just think, oh, that's it. We're out. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take it personally. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to make this a you and me thing because it's a me thing. It's just that I've gone over your threshold of understanding and once again – I'm into macro communication where you needed so much more micro that I was not doing well and I'm not being a good educator right now. This is a big me fault with you. Mm. Let's say, for example, that the dog goes over threshold with something. That's a me fault. Mm -hmm. That really is a me fault. And I would say that for somebody who's less experienced, that's fair enough. Like you're just not versed well enough into it. And even your trainers and your educators have let you down there a little bit because they haven't shown you how to understand that. And they put you in a situation where you've gone over threshold or allowed it to be in a situation where it became over threshold, where they should have said to you, no, 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 stop. Don't do that. You're about to go over threshold and this will create a conflict issue with you and your dog. It's not to say that having it happen in a smaller fashion is a bad thing because sometimes it can be an experience to see it and understand it and go, well, here it comes, be ready for it. And when it happens, this is what we have to do to deal with it. This is the unfortunate scales of punishment that we have to do to show the dog, you can't do this. It's a feeling that's going to overwhelm you, but you can't have this happen when we're out on the training field in the future. Know what it is, experience it, feel it, but this is not going to happen every other time. And it is, Sounds like I'm contradicting myself, but you are going to go into those difficult mindscapes sometimes with your dog where the dog is going to go into thresholds where you don't want, but the dog has to do that sometimes to understand, I can't do this. And if I do, this is the course of action that's going to Mm. be written before me as a form of punishment. I have to know what it is. I have to know the uncomfortable feeling of what it is. But what I'm talking about, what I don't want to do, I don't want to allow that to happen through my own doing because I'm not paying attention or my ego is running wild, that then I say, well, my dog should have known better. And I've done that a few times. I've done it with Mando where I tried to push him in the car a while back. You said to me, no, let's not do that. Let's back off and do this. Right at the time I got a little mad. I wasn't mad at you. I was mad at me because I thought, you're right. I was pushing him. I was only doing that because I thought I've got eight other people standing here watching me. I'm going to make my dog do this. And I thought, no, that was the wrong thing to do. That was a dick move. We did a a small thing with him and I put him away and I had to just feel that I was at peace with it. Mm -hmm. So that was the moment. Mm. And I had to have this conversation with you now to remember that moment because that was the moment that I was probably disappointed with myself, that I allowed myself 
to feel that I had to push a dog who's not mentally mature enough to handle it and may not be to experience something that's not fair. Mm. Yeah. What I want to sort of push for, my, my mm. goals for next year comes into two categories, right? Yep. Persist and resist. Yep. So persist at an individual level, right? Is one thing that I'm encouraging people to do and something I'm continuing to do myself is, you know, get better at your individual skills within the dog space, right? I don't want to give people life advice beyond that. What the fuck do I know? But in the dog training space, it's I know It's life advice stuff. anyway. Yeah, but I know some stuff. Persist mm. in your individual skills and your education. And what I think happens a lot of the time is people then when they decide they're going to upskill themselves, they start looking for the more advanced stuff. And like, yeah, there's value in that. And then like niching down for sure, there's value in doing that. And if you feel like you're ready for it, go for it. Yep. But what I think is lacking and what I'm encouraging people to do, and it's something that I'm always doing myself, is run another track of the basics. Mm. Make sure that you really understand all of the fundamentals because the fundamentals of everything is what allows for any growth on top of them. They are the foundation on which everything else is built. Absolutely. I went to the Helmet Riser seminar this year. It was one of the biggest events that I've enjoyed in a really long time, you know, and it felt like he was talking directly to me. Now that has a lot to do with his presentation skills. And there were people who I've heard feedback that it was, oh, it was very basic. It was too much of the entry level stuff. And to me, it was a masterclass. Like it was the most advanced stuff. Because I think that we think of everything you know, in a continuum. We think of that there's left on the left here and there's right on the, over, over the other side and that you have to go through the spectrum to get from one to the other. But I think very seldom do things work like that. I think that usually spectrums I think are almost like two very close points on a circle and you can just hop from one to the other. So what feels like very basic things mm-hmm. can actually be adjacent to the most advanced skills possible. And it's easy when you're looking at one to think that you're looking at another. That's my advice. And it's something I, you know, I'm taking with me as much as I possibly can is to continue to understand the basics of everything that you do, the very core principles, the very fundamentals, the first principles, because I used to get frustrated training dogs a fair bit. And I think I'm as self-deprecating as everybody else. I talk down, you know, my, my skill set and capability, but I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good as a dog trainer. And when I was crap as a dog trainer, I was never frustrated because I knew I was crap. And I think the the most difficult time I had as a dog trainer was when I was good. When I was a good dog trainer, because I was better than most people that I could observe and I would achieve a lot of good things, but it was not what I knew that I would be able to achieve. And it wasn't very often in the moment with a dog, I was not able to get the things that I wanted from that dog. I found myself very often getting frustrated and angry at the dog and myself for not, you know, achieving what it was that I set out to achieve. And what I know now unequivocally is, you know, I understand how to motivate dogs. And when the motivation is there, and that's the first thing I do, it's a, you know, whenever I'm engaging with a dog, understanding their motivations is step one. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to jack the dog up and bring it into a tight state of arousal, but I'm going to understand what spins the dials for these dogs. How does pressure work? How does repetitive stuff work? Like I get to know the dog at a very base level. When I've got that, If I am communicating correctly to the dog, he will do what I ask him to do because he is correctly motivated. Mm. And so what I understand now is that if it's not going the way that I want it to go, it is just that there is a failure of communication because I'm not progressing unless there's motivation. Unless If the motivation is not there, that's really easy to identify and I can just go, okay, well, I've got to step back and build that. And so if the dog is participating but participating incorrectly – 
then that's just a communication problem. Yes. And I just because go, sometimes the motivation can be there. Yeah. But how the dog interprets it with high level motivation sometimes can be overwhelming to the function that the dog actually has intellectually. Yeah. Can I yeah, give you a quick ahead. example? Just I know you're on a roll, but I yeah. I feel this is a insert for what you're actually talking about. So the other day I was doing some exercises in the lounge room with Mando. Mm-hmm. What I was finding was him and I were going through some exercises. We were doing really well up until I brought a wedge out. The minute I brought a wedge out, everything that he just showed me that he did in multiples of 10, so we did 10 sits, 10 drops, 10 stands, Mm -hmm. 10 go to middles, 10 come to front, 10 of those all in a row, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, perfectly. The minute I pulled a wedge out, everything went to shit. Mm -hmm. He couldn't actually piece together anything I was saying. Mm -hmm. Everything I asked him to do was in total fucking violation of what we'd just done. So I just realised... He is in drive, he is enthusiastic, but actually having this here, his function is thinking about this. Mm -hmm. His perception of it was completely in contrast to Mm -hmm. what we just did. And that for me was a reckoning. I I realised I'm asking too much of this dog Mm -hmm. with something that's creating chaos in his mind, like it's remapping everything he's thinking. The way that we resolved that was I showed him less of a picture of it. I just reduced the amount of it. Not telling anyone to suck eggs. It's not a miracle. Yeah. You know, like this is something that people have been doing for fucking hundreds of years with dogs. For me, it was something that you and I identify these in other people and yet I presented a picture to him. Again, I went into a macro format. But the good thing is, is I can identify it and I can workshop through that quickly. For other people, they pull it out and they go, what the fuck is wrong here? Mm. Like, why won't you do this? And this is where anger starts to seep into the picture. This is where we start to show disappointment to the dog. This is where we think you're fucking violating this on purpose. Like, you know how to do this. But the problem is they really don't. Mm. The level of arousal is so high at that point in time that this creates a complete remapping of how the mind thinks. Like, the overwhelm is there and it's almost like, a panicked state of mind. It's not a mind that develops clarity. It's a mind that is panicking about like, I want that and I need it and I'm going to throw everything I can to try and get it, but I am i can't actually hear you and I can't actually function the way that you want me to do it because this again is a macro level issue. Mm-hmm. So once we reduce it to a micro level issue where we reduce the amount of it or reduce it altogether and then build it up to it, then the dog understands, oh, now I know how I should have behaved. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you as a good instructor, a good teacher have really pulled it apart for me and shown me the pathway of how to do this. The early of me would have got frustrated and I would have gone into punishment mm-hmm. and that's the unfortunate way that some people still train their dogs is they get angry. You Mm -hmm. and I have seen this. We talked about other trainers who Mm -hmm. have done this where they become super frustrated and this is the time where the corrections start. This is the time where the dog starts getting the looks or even taken outside and all sorts of things start to happen, which is incredibly and terribly unfair. Mm -hmm. And as trainers, as educators, as teachers, this is where we really need to scale things right back. Even as handlers, even as dog owners, is where we need to scale things right back. Identify it and saying, you're not doing this deliberately. You're doing this because you don't understand the way that I'm conveying it to you and you don't know how to control yourself when you're feeling these feelings right now. And I need to show you how to how to manage that and how to cap that and how to put it into perspective. Mm-hmm. Totally. What I want to talk about then is that 
persist at an individual level. Yep. It's continue your education and really master the basics. That's, yes. that's what I want to try and instill to people. It's what I continue to do myself. Just as an example, when we're in the States last, I'm interested in the the way I'm going to train my next dog to heal. All right. And I'm about to train a few dogs and I'm helping, I'm coaching some people who want really flashy healing in a way that I have not taught a dog to do. And so when I taught my dog to heal healing, Seven years ago in PSA, what was normal is different to what's normal now, what people want. People are go- really going for, like back then, most of the people were happy with the, the thuggy kind of like, you know, to walk next to you. But now we want the prance. We're going, yeah, people have the skill set to do it. People are good enough to maintain that in PSA, where in the past, maybe we weren't that, you know, like there were, weren't many people who could maintain that into the upper levels. But anyway, people know the skill. And so, and the judging perspective is demanding it as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, mm. like the rising tide lifts all the boats, right? So yeah. everybody's got to come on board with it. Oh, nice saying. Yeah. Mm. So when we say talking about the basics, when I was talking to a lot of people who I like the healing and I, hey, how'd you teach that? What were your steps? You know, there's a lot of different ways to do this kind of thing. People were often surprised when I'd say, okay, but like when you reinforce, how do you do that? And they'd say, oh, you know, like forward and out and around like this. And then I'd even go one deeper and go, okay, but the spin out from the heel position, how do you teach that? People look at me like oddly, like that's really easy. I'm like, no, but I want to hear you say it because evidently they all said different things, right? And so what seems like the really easy basic stuff, like, yeah, of course, from a heel position, dog needs to be able to spin out and take a toy from behind you that's on your right side so it presents forging. Okay, that's a, that's a very basic thing. But let's go even more basic. How do you prep that? Because there's lots of different ways to do that. And I got a lot of different answers from people who had, you know, different styles of teaching that. And so that's what I mean is like, don't be afraid of digging deep into the basics, the real Mm. basics. That's what allows for you to understand the advanced stuff. And what I see quite a bit, and I've certainly fallen victim to this myself, is where you get excited about being able to do the advanced stuff and want to learn that. But what you end up with is this like floating piece of information. When somebody explains something that's really technical and really advanced to you, it's just this single piece of information that you like floating in the abyss that you don't even really know how to steps to get to there. If by some miracle you could get there, then yes, you know what to do because you, you received that information, but you need all the steps that can help you get to that piece of information because this is what causes a lot of the frustration that mm. I, I observe and have felt in the past myself is where you're trying to achieve something that you don't have the skill set to achieve. There's no point getting upset about that, right? Like there's no point getting angry about that. There's no point in feeling that deep frustration because you're outside your skill set. You need Mm. to take a step back. And one of the things that, you know, one thing I've gotten much better at this year and and certainly it's been something, a work in progress for me for a long time is when a dog makes a mistake or something goes wrong, I kind of know how to laugh about it. When you look at people, the really phenomenal trainers, you know, and I think that Pat Nolan is an inspiration to me and many Not that I've trained with Pat a ton, but when you look at videos of him training dogs, there's a joy in it, right? When we talk persist, this is what we're talking about is keeping people happy in the industry and for longer. And we're going to, I've got more I want to talk about on that, but persist means stay in and at it. And Pat's been at it since forever. I don't even know how old he is and I won't, I won't presume. (laughs) I won't presume to say how long Pat Nolan has been training dogs, but what I see is a man who truly looks like he is in joyful bliss while he's interacting with the dog. And that comes of like what I'm sure is what often gets referred to as that subconscious competence, you know, where he's just able to do it. He's he's in autopilot as it's happening and he can actually be in the moment with the dog and enjoy it. 
And what I see from people of his caliber, just to name him as one, but there's many that we would all say is when the dogs get things wrong, what you never see, what you see from people who are good dog trainers is a grimace in the face, like the dog got it wrong. And what you see from the people who are exceptional dog trainers is a smile. Right? And you see it all the time when the dog makes a mistake, they laugh. There's a happiness about it because it's like, no, you didn't get it. Come on, let's start again, right? And, mm. and a reset in that way. And, of course, those same feelings come up for them, but they know how to reframe it. They've been down this path before. They know, oh, this has happened because of X, Y, and Z, and I just have to change this. And the reason they know that is because they understand the basics. It allows you to think at a high level and do the high level stuff when you no longer have to think about the basics. It's that unconscious competence of the very base stuff. And what I see is a lot of people in our space who think that they understand the basics, but they don't really, they, mm. they maybe can say the words, they can maybe rattle off the things, but they don't really have a strong understanding of it. One of the most important things I see is like people really understanding classical conditioning. Now, when I say to a room full of dog trainers, how we're going to talk about classical conditioning, I get the eye roll every time. I'm like, oh, fucking hell, mate. We know this. We yeah, know, we know signal one, signal two. We know all this kind of stuff. But I'm like, okay, cool. But then when their dog's in a down and they accidentally put some tension on the line, the dog jumps up and then they want to hammer on the dog. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you told him to do that. That's a condition signal. He's got his flat collar on and you put tension on that flat collar. And in every other instance in that dog's life, tension on that flat collar has been a pull forward signal. And you just did that. So you just gave him the signal to break free. That's a conditioned response that he just did. You have no right to punish that dog. And if you do, you're going to cause a bunch of conflict. You're going to confuse the dog. And at the minimum, you're going to degrade that signal. And you have spent, without realizing it, you've spent a lot of time programming that signal and you need it to be in place. So just things like that where people go, yeah, I know classical conditioning. It's like, no, no, no. Like you really need to know it. You need to know like how is that affecting all the ways that your dog learns and all of the things that your dog does when some external stimulus triggers a sequence of events, yep. runs a program that you weren't expecting to run. You've got to be like, oh, okay, well, that's a conditioned response because of these things. And now I know how to interrupt that. I know how to avoid that happening. I know how to, how to remove links from chains, all that kind of stuff. That's the real basics. So when we talk persist, if you want to persist as a trainer, the first thing you got to do is persist in your education, but finding joy in a way of understanding the basics that isn't allowing you to get frustrated, doesn't yeah. allow you to get into the fucking, the teeth grimace. And of course that's going to happen. Like uh, nobody's above that. That probably happens to everybody. But exactly as you just said, Read as soon as you feel that coming yeah. over yourself, it's time to realize and go, oh, we're not making progress here. This isn't the session. This isn't the one. There's a good saying it's a timely saying with what you're talking about and one that resurfaces quite regularly upon these type of discussions and it says you won't fix something with the same mindset that created it. Yeah. I'm a complete advocate for that. That's why I'm trying to change the way I'm doing things and the way I'm feeling about things. The guitar has been teaching me so much of a lesson on the entire journey of it. It's something – I have got a small obsession around it. You go into my guitar room, you can see that, but I have got a small obsession about it because it's teaching me to be a student again and mm -hmm. it's teaching me about – being tolerant and being kind, mm -hmm. especially to myself, like not taking things so personally. And it was, it caught me off guard that I had that fucking rage attack the other day. Like mm -hmm. it, it came from nowhere. And I, you know, I had my fucking pity party and I kind of thought to myself, okay, well, you've had your pity party. You felt sorry for yourself. Like you've had your moment of disgust and all these negative thoughts have been spiraling around in your head. That's fine. Let that happen. Experience that. Try and comprehend what that is and look at the transcendence that needs to come through the other side of it. All it was, like I said, all it was to repeat myself was 
having the moment of clarity to think through it and to break things down and not take it so personally that the larger scale issue that I was having was causing so much fucking degradation and disruption to what was actually going on. It reminds me, I wrote down here next on my pad next to me about shaping and chaining mm-hmm. because people think about shaping and chaining about being, again, it's a macro-related process, but it's fucking not. Your contemplation or, or your realisation with getting back to basics and the discussion that you just had around that Even the basics, you can still break things down and you can almost go to an infinite scale sometimes of getting things down to a finite point where you can think that's where I need to go. Mm -hmm. That's where I need to shave this thing down to really make myself understand that one plus one plus one plus one, because I've been working in five plus fives and that's wrong. You know, that's where the information is is leading up to degradation. I need to go back to one or 0.5, mm-hmm. 0.5 plus 0.5 plus 0.5 plus mm-hmm. 0.5. Recreate it because, you know, I've talked to people about shaping and chaining before and they think, oh, this is just something you do when you're trying to shape complex skills behaviours. No, man, it's not. Shaping and chaining is everything that you're doing. You're always shaping and chaining. Mm-hmm. You're always shaping behaviours and then you're always chaining them together. And then when they become known and when they are cycled from conscious into subconscious mindsets, that's the whole relay of everything that we're doing. But we're creating so much conflict for ourselves and so much of a problem in the pattern that we're doing things because we're taking this into a level that it doesn't need to be taken in. Mm -hmm. And that comes down to your education about it sometimes. The personal fear that I won't be able to keep up with other people if I don't work in these massive and unparalleled chunks that I'm working in at the moment. What I need to do is scale this back down, scale it back down. It might take a little bit longer, but it's going to be the clear and definitive path that I need to create in the behavior that I really want to manifest. Otherwise, it's a shit show for you. Exactly. All right. So the next one. Yes. While we're persisting, one thing I want to encourage people to do and certainly something I intend to keep doing next year is persist trying to build community. Yeah. And I think now more than ever in the dog space, we need strong community. 100%. And and we're at risk at the moment, right? Like we've discussed that. The enemy's at the door in many ways, right? Like we've got people who don't even want us to own fucking dogs, right, at the at the highest level. That's the reality. That's a reality check whether you want to come to it or not. At some stage, we're all going to be in a fight to that. I don't know when that's going to happen, but that fight is coming. Yep. And so there's that at one point, mm. but then within our own communities, we have a lot of infighting, a lot of problems. And so my goal, one of the things I want to continue to do, to persist to do, to stay in the industry is to continue to build strong community. And the way to do that, I believe, is through kindness, right? Now, here's the thing. Now, this is something that I have constantly have to remind myself of. So trust me, I'm aware of how hard this can be to do. But one of the things that I find is when you try and give as much kindness as you possibly can, the inevitable feeling is going to come around that you're not getting anything back and that you're giving so much to people who give nothing back to you. Now, here's the trick on that is don't give more than you're willing to give because the moment you start giving more than you should, when you don't get anything back, you're in a transaction. Now, kindness is never transactional. It has to be that I do it because I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing it because I want to do this and I want nothing in return. And how people burn themselves out when we're talking persist, stay in the industry, stay in the community is when you give thinking or acting as though you're giving because you're the good guy. You're giving Mm. because you look at me, I'm like, I'm the doer of good. 
But then when you don't get anything back in return for that, you're going to find out whether you were really the doer of good or whether you were the shower of doing good in order to get things back. And so I think that, you know, in order to persist in the industry, to maintain community is to be as kind as you can to yourself and to others. But kindness never expects anything in return, right? It just exists by itself and it does its own thing and it doesn't need to be fed. It doesn't need to be watered. It doesn't need anything. It has to exist by itself. And the moment that you think you're doing something in order to get something back, you're doing business, Mm. which is fine. Do business with the correct people and put that up front. You know, at the end of the day, that's how we get paid. We we do the thing that yeah, we- Yeah, don't pretend it's something else. Yeah, don't, don't pretend, pretend it's charity when it's really work. Exactly. Yeah. And I think understanding those things is what's going to- yeah, and, and confronting it yourself, understanding that and knowing when I'm doing something to meet an end or when I'm doing something because I want it to happen, I'm giving. Remember, when you give, giving gets nothing back. That's yep. the point of it, right? And so one of the ways I see people burning out, one of the ways I see in-groups turning into out-groups, one of the ways that I see people leaving the industry is when they feel taken advantage of. Yeah. And you can't be taken advantage of by anyone. You only give what you're prepared to give. Don't give anything more than that. Don't give away something that you think is precious to yourself. Now, whether that's time, money, information, whatever it is, don't give anything away that isn't something that you're prepared to just put into the world and let go of. Don't have any expectation of it coming back. And if you want something back, then acknowledge I'm doing business. This is not kindness. I'm doing business. And you can do business in a in an ethical way. You can do business in a way that you feel good at the end of the day and, and that nobody gets ripped off. All those sorts of things. They Just can be, be transparent. Done. Exactly. Yeah. Transparency, Transparency is, is really what it comes down to in yep. that regard. Mm. But I think that's one of the main things that I want to encourage people to do under the heading of persist is continue to build community. And Mm. one of the ways I see communities fall apart is when somebody feels as though they've given too much to a community and haven't gotten anything back. And the way you avoid that is don't give more than you're prepared to give. That kindness doesn't need to be repaid in any way, shape or form. It is its own reinforcer. (sighs) That's that one. Nicely said. The last thing Mm. on persist is get a cooler dog. (laughs) Get more dogs. Get more. Yep. Get fucking more of them. Get 10 dogs. If you're worried about, geez, how will I attend all these events? You'll figure it out. Just do it. Get more dogs. Mm. Do more dog training. Get your hands on more dogs. Do more cool stuff. Not everybody has to be an Olympian with everything all the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people just enjoy coming along and being part of the crowd. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Set your sights high for sure. But if you don't aspire to do those things, don't feel bad about it. You talked about creating a sense of community. I think one of the things that I've I've seen more or less that have caused a lot of disruption for people and a lot of unease is that there is an expectation to have to be a performer all the time. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be amazing. You have to stand out. Some people just aren't built that way. Mm -hmm. They're not built to stand out. Some people, are they're perfectly happy being in the background playing a support role. Mm -hmm. That for them is everything. They played their part. They're happy with that. And if you feel like that, do that. Do that to the best of your capability. If that brings you joy that you know that you've been part of a community by being a support role to somebody else, then you've done exactly what you needed to do to feel good about that sort of situation. I've spoken to people and they feel, say there's so much fucking pressure. There's so much pressure to be a performer. There's so much pressure that you, you have to be on top, you have to stay, you have to, you have to be winning, you have to be competing, you have to be doing this, you have to be doing that. You're only putting that pressure on yourself. I'm glad you say that, Glenn, because that carries me into the next thing I want to talk about cool. is the resist part, yep. right? Now, resist, we talked- How, uh, how are we getting these synchronizing I with each know. other? Because I haven't even seen your, <laughs> your bullet journal. So 
resist. We talked persist and at yep. an individual level, persist education. Yep. At an individual level under the heading of resist, what I say is that if it's not a fuck yes, then it's a no. Yep. I think that we as dog trainers tend to become martyrs way too much. Yes. We do way too much for too many people and we spread ourselves way too thin. So I think one of the things that I am going to certainly do for myself in the going forward is that if it's not a fuck yeah for me, then it's a no. And the more things that I say no to, the more things that I can say yes to. Yep. And really invest properly into the preparation, the time, the effort, all of those sorts of things, but also the enjoyment and the fulfillment that comes of the things that I do do and in, therefore enjoy doing more. So pretty strongly I feel like at an individual level, when I'm talking resist, if, if I'm not into it, I'm not doing it. Mm. I, I'm really leaning into the things that I'm really into. A part of that, like it's a buzzword, right? If it's not a yes, it's a no. Like that'll go good on a T-shirt or, or it'll make a good meme. But what the fuck does that actually mean? That means figuring out like what do you actually want? Like having some deep introspection about like what does make me happy or even – knowing what happiness feels like. I think that very often, I think as people, we confuse our own emotions quite a lot. I think a lot of people, I should stop saying a lot of people when I mean me. (laughs) (laughs) I find it really hard to tell when I'm bored versus hungry. You know that? I have a really strong difficulty identifying what hunger feels like because we don't really do it. Look at my frame, my friend. (laughs) I eat my emotions away. Yeah. When I feel fearful about things I eat. When I feel anxious about things, I eat. Mm -hmm. When I feel bored, I eat. Yeah. That's the driver for me is like when I'm feeling overwhelmed about anything, I eat. Yeah. And because I've been so overwhelmed this year, I've put on weight because I've eaten a lot. Yeah. That's something that I have come to terms with about this year. It's like I'm thinking, why can't I shift this weight? Why can't I stop eating? Yeah. Is because this year I've been more overwhelmed than I have been for most other years. So the subtext under all that is here's another buzzword for you, right? What's the definition of bliss is probably any emotion fully felt. Mm. And I think that's something that we aren't very good at as people. I think that especially in the society in which we live at the moment. Well, it couldn't be any emotion. It's any emotion fully felt. What, do you it. feel like full fucking anger? You could be When's the state? last time that you were actually really angry and you got inside of that anger and just fucking felt it instead of trying to get away from it? and really get to the bottom of why do I feel this way and don't like embrace it. Look at it like be the anger, actually feel it fully. Yeah, it was the guitar thing. And when you got through the other side of that. Yeah, the realisation of how I could fix it was blissful. It wasn't the rage. Yeah, but you had to go through that. I had to go through it. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you. I had to go through it. Yeah. Yes, so I, I think one of the things that we, or certainly I to stop saying we, that I am doing is when you have big feelings about something or any feelings about anything, fucking feel them mm. and really get into it and be like, how come? And what does this do to me? Who am I when I'm this, right? Because I think that a lot of the times we don't know what makes us happy. We know what we're told makes us happy. We know that like we're pursuing things that we think will make us happy. But I think very often you realize, fuck, it was trying to get the thing that made me happy. I'm not happy now that I have it. And I think the more that you can come to really understand that, that becomes the guiding light as to like whether it's a yes or a no. I'm only doing the things that I'm fuck yeah about, right? Like that I'm really keen on. But how do I know what those things are? And the only way to do that is to really get into it yourself. 
yourself and really feel the things that you feel and don't run away from your own emotions. I have a question for you. Go for it. Do you feel, now that we're talking about feelings, do you feel that we're being told not to feel things on a stronger level? Like there is a, a lot of pressure I don't think we're being told what to feel. I th- do you sorry, feel, I don't do think you- that we're being told not to feel things. I think we're being told what to feel. I right. Think that, I think that less that people are being told like not to have emotions, I think that more and more people are being expected to have particular emotions about particular things. And this is one I feel of- it's a bit of both. I, th- I, I feel that it's a bit from column A and it's a bit from column B. I mm-hmm. feel that we're being told not to experience lashing out. You know, like sometimes when people lash out, other people look at you, look, maybe you need to be medicated. Maybe Mm -hmm. you need to be brought back down to earth. Yeah. Why are you having these strong feelings? Why are you saying these things? Mm -hmm. Do you feel that you're allowed to say the things that you want to say all the time? This is definitely something sort of on a more personal level. I'm happy to talk about it. But, like, I I think that we're being coerced into going along with a lot of nonsense. Me too. And I'm just not doing that anymore. You can just go fuck yourself. (laughs) I'm just not. I just am not. I say this with affection. Like I felt that you used to be a a lot looser person when I first met you as Uh I feel that you have become now. Uh What Um, do you mean looser? Your sense of humour was a little darker, Uh a little bit more freer. Uh Like I don't feel that you feel that you can be that free at the moment. Yeah. Do you feel it? To an extent. I think you're not the only one. It's a lot more people. You're a very honest person, Mm. a lot more honest than most of my other friends, colleagues and family people that I know. Like I have a few people that fit the mould that you're in, but you're very capable of sitting down and analysing something and having a more honest conversation about it. I feel that probably this year that you have been funneled into becoming something that you weren't when I first met you. When Mm. I first met you, you were cheekier. You said things that were more risque. Mm. Now you don't say them. Like I can, it's almost like you feel like you've got a muzzle saying it, Mm. but I find that that you're not the only person. I feel that I'm doing it myself. Mm. I feel that things that I want to say, the cheeky things that I used to say, people are reacting to it differently. Mm. Like the world is reacting to it differently. Yeah, for sure. And I think as a person who speaks publicly a lot, there is always a looming threat of someone applying the standards of tomorrow to things you said yesterday. Yeah. We've spoke about that when we first started doing this podcast and said, you know, made jokes about how it's lucky no one's listening. Well, now there's a fuck a lot of people listening. Yeah. And it's tricky because- you know, the things that you're saying and given the context under which you're saying them, like I never say anything. I, I never have intent to hurt anyone and, and I I don't have any ill feelings towards any group of people or any individuals, to be honest. I'm pretty um, like live and let live kind of guy. But it is concerning that someone would, you know, say that you were Im- implying something that you weren't and that language has changed to now that you can get in trouble for saying something that was totally fine when you said it, but because it's recorded, it's not fine to be saying now. Mm. And so like for sure I I do choose my words carefully, but I've always chosen my words carefully. I think that words are very important like for conveying intent and I think that I like to be as clear as possible with what I'm saying. You're probably right, but it's certainly I don't feel more inhibited as a person, but perhaps that's the point. Maybe it's a slow take up. Mm. I feel that it's been an observation I've been having a lot 
Because I see my mum doing and saying things on the internet sometimes where I have to say to her, hey, don't do that. Mm. You know, and I kind of think, oh, why am I saying that? Mm. Why am I telling other people not to do the things that, that their generation found funny and so forth? But now, like I'm saying, like you, as you were saying, like we're being punished for the crimes of tomorrow. Yeah. Where people are going to go back through social media and say, hey, you said this seven years ago, therefore that means you're a racist and you hate this type of person. Yeah. I think like bigger concern is there was that person that made a whole reel of trainers and things that they've said and gave no context to it. Remember oh, it was years ago? It. Yeah, yeah, put all the stuff. They cherry picked all and that information. There was me and there was Larry Crone was in it and yep. uh, I think Robert Cabral was in it. There was a bunch of different trainers. It was just their voices. Yep. All I was talking about was training with food. And how if a dog doesn't want the food, you can't force the dog to take it. And the words that I used was that, like, I'm not going to force the dog to take it. If the dog doesn't want it, I'm not going to feed the dog, right? I found the original clip. Well, they had the original clip in their stories. But it was me talking about how if you're going to be training in a novel environment with a new dog that isn't used to taking food in that environment, you can't convince the dog this is where you're going to take it. So you just don't feed it that night. You offer it the food. If it doesn't take it, then you don't give it the food later. You give it another opportunity in that environment the next day. And I was talking about, like, normal training, not dealing with some fearful reactive you know, dog or, or like, you know, like that would be an unfair thing to do to bring a dog into mm. a circumstance which it can't handle and do that. And anyway, and I was really taken out of context and implying that I was this horrible person for it. And at the time I definitely felt like I needed to muzzle myself a little bit and be clearer in the words that I used, but I was clear. And so for sure, maybe that, that did affect me, not, not for maybe that did affect the way that I, the content that I would make and the way that I would describe things. But at the moment, I feel like I and many others have gone over the hill of that where now I'm like, oh, fuck off. Like I just am not playing your stupid shit anymore. Mm. So like when somebody comes up, because it happens intermittently, right? People will you know, decide that they're going after me online. There's two types of people. There's people who've outgrown me and you or others, you know, like they've, they forget that your training journey should involve many people. And you should just, when you've got the information that you can get from someone, a lot of people then suddenly start resenting those people because they're onto the next person and they have to hate the lily pad that they stepped on prior. They need that lily pad to sink while they're on the next lily pad. Mm. And they're just dickheads. And then the other- Interesting observation. Yeah, it happens all the time. Yes, it does. And then the other is people who are, you know, want us cancelled because we're balanced trainers and they're fucking lunatics. And so I think um, (laughs) I'm just not playing along with that shit anymore. Yeah. But that's been for the last little while. Like I, I don't muzzle myself consciously anyway because I'm like, fuck you, you're not a functioning person. And this is one of the things that when people want to sort of get on their high horse, like the person that made that particular real, it's not that like I'm not bringing that up because I care, that's a long time ago, but it's relevant to this conversation. It is, absolutely. Like I I had a look, like their fucking dog is a reactive mess because they've made it a reactive mess. Most of those squeaky wheels, they've got so many skeletons in their closet, they spend more time trying to fucking pack their closets full of skeletons and yet they're cherry picking and – But they just don't know. So this this person is just ideologically motivated about dog training and it's like, cool, like you can feel however you want. But I'm an actual expert at this. So mm. your big feelings about it are fucking irrelevant. And given 10 minutes with your dog, it will be my dog because I understand dogs, right? Now, you cannot like the way that I would treat your dog as much as you like. That's fine. But your dog's going to fucking love it. And, and it will be my dog in 10 minutes. And that dog will not even look back as I walk off with it. Do you know one of the 
most uplifting moments for me that happened several years back when William Garita, um, somebody tried to cancel him and a few people went after him. And instead of trying to cover up or trying to... Yeah, he just let into He it. leant straight into it and he ripped three shades of shit out of those people. Yeah. And, mate, I was rolling with laughter how funny that was. Yeah. He I, made that an apology video, right? That was like that I just sincerely apologized for you being a piece of shit. Or it was like brilliant. That. And I just thought that's where perhaps some of the world needs to go. Some of the world needs to tell these small percent of really confused people you are really making the world an unbearable place to live in. Like your ideology of trying to make it a better place by telling people that they can't say things anymore. It's not making the world better. Mm. People are becoming more of a product and a service rather than a thinking, caring community person. And your whole desire to get people to become more community-based, it won't happen if we're pretending to be something or resisting saying something around people sometimes. I think sometimes we need to have the difficult conversation with people. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. I, like I agree it, with you. And there were, like I said, even when I did that thing about when I was talking earlier about that exercise we were doing with Mando in the car, you know, I wasn't angry at you. I was fucking happy with you. You know, like I was angry with myself. You did the right thing. That's the time where you expect that your friend and somebody who's helping you in a behavior will stand up and say, hey, mate, like, wake up. You're making a bad choice here. That's what a fucking person who does, who cares about you, yeah. they hold back and pretend it's all good and just say, oh, I don't, I don't want to say anything, create conflict here. Mm. What they need to say is my understanding of that is you're right. What you said I needed to do, I needed to do. And yeah. I knew I needed to do that, but I didn't do it. But I had somebody who was in my corner who backed me right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's not happening enough. But that's what a real friend is. I mean, that's you've what done a real the same for me. Is. Most remotely, I remember a time I was trying to track out there and it was a disaster. And you were like, what the fuck are you doing? This is stupidity. And then you have that moment where I can see my – I, I do remember that was like probably – it wasn't even before Remy was born. It was a different dog. So it was like eight years ago or something. And I remember just being caught in this shit show – and then you saying like, what are you doing? And then kind of seeing myself through your eyes and going like, oh, I haven't got a fucking clue. I've run down this tunnel and I can't see anything but the light at the end of the tunnel, which I am never going to reach. I'm stuck here and I don't see any other way out other than this mission that I'm on. But I, I know I'm never going to fucking get there, but I just keep hammering through it. But imagine if I said, oh, good, carry yeah, keep on. keep going or just yeah. didn't care enough to say anything. That's the bigger problem. We, that's the biggest one. And that's what people want. What's comfortable is to say nothing and just let people fuck themselves up and their dog up and whatever. Yep. And what's uncomfortable because you take a risk. Every time you do it, it's a risk, but it's a risk that I feel like it's worth taking most of the time, yep. especially because I go out of my way not to be known as a malicious person. I try really hard. And, and I think that you'd struggle to find anybody that would refer to me or describe me as that, right? Because I try very hard not to be that for the reason that when I say something to someone that's going to cut them to pieces, I don't want them to be cut to pieces. I want them to be like, oh, fuck. Okay, well, there's that has to be true because you're not a person that's known for saying to, for trying to hurt people. Like this may hurt you, but it's that's the that's the side effect. The the real thing I'm trying to do is help you, but sometimes this might hurt in it's not always easy, right? So that's the that's what I think is a big part of like real community. And that's real kindness. I agree. The, the easy thing to do is very often just go, oh, looks great. Thumbs up. Fuck yeah. Good for you. 
the hard thing sometimes to do is go, hey, man, I, like we need to have a talk about that. And I really feel that as part of this desire of self-improvement that you and I are talking about, I really feel that a big part of that is that if the conversations are happening and even though they feel a little confrontational sometimes, it doesn't mean that you can't ask, what did you mean by that? Mm. Some people don't do that. They don't have that final piece of the conversation is, could you please explain that further or what was the intent behind that comment? I've done it myself where I've went home on that, where I really should have turned around and said, hey, can we talk about this a little bit more? Yeah. Where did that come from? Like that comment felt a little offhanded. Sam Cheeseman did that to me not long ago. We were having a conversation and he sent me a message and he goes, oh, you said a comment. I'm not sure if I've misinterpreted it. And I really appreciated that he did that Mm -hmm. because I love Sam. Mm -hmm. I think Sam's a great guy. Yeah. But I'm glad that he had the fortitude to send me that message and ask me the question because I wouldn't want him or anybody else to go away with that and think, that fucking hates me. Mm. That comment was totally underhanded and and why would they say that? All it was was a simple misinterpretation of what was said. And as soon as I clarified, I said, oh, man, I'm glad you brought it up. This is what I meant by it. Mm. Please, guys, for God's sake, let's have a bit of humanity and compassion for each other. And if that needs to be asked, ask the question. Don't go home and let it rattle around in your head. Yeah, Coming from somebody who goes home and lets it rattle around in their head, I need to learn how to unbottle that sometimes and I need to learn how to have those conversations and I have had and I am doing that. Like if I have a conversation with you like we just ended where I make a comment to you, trust me that it comes from a place of care Mm. because my silence is deafening. When I'm silent with you, that really means something. Mm. When I'm talking to you, when I'm telling you something, that means I care about you. That means I want the best for you. I want to help. I'm throwing my hat in the ring. Now, it might not be the best advice. Like I might be all being cavalier and thinking that I'm offering some well-being advice and you might think, well, that's not in line with the way I'm thinking or the way that I've been told to think about things or it feels in conflict with what I have been doing. Let's have a conversation around it. Say to me, oh, but I've been doing this and this is what I'm thinking about. I've had those conversations with people too where they've messaged me or they've sat with me and said, you offered this bit of advice, I have been doing this and these are the reasons why and we've been able to dialogue backwards and forwards with it. For me, they're some of the most special moments I've had with people. Like we're talking about transcendency before, those moments are transcendent. Mm. Those very conversations that I have with people That bridges gaps that really are exponentially wide just in that small moment of having that little conversation. Whereas if that is left where the other person then goes home and that gets inside their head and it manifests into something it's not, that's where relationships end. Mm -hmm. And in the dog world, we're all sensitive people. Like a lot of us are running from things. A lot of us have had, me included, you know, like I've thrown my fucking hat in the ring on this. A lot of us have had early life trauma, things that have happened, parental things, shit that's happened in our life that has drawn us into the dog world. Like we've we've run into the arms of dogs because we don't find it so easy to do it with human beings. And through that, you know, like the escapism of trying to run away from other human beings, we've found that we're running into the, the same pool of damaged humans. We're around each other a lot of the times. But there's also other people that are there that become part of our lives as well. And through this, I've learn to become a more expressive person, a better communicator at times, a better listener. 
It doesn't mean I'm perfect, very far from it. It doesn't mean any of us are perfect. It doesn't mean any of us get it all right. We make a lot of mistakes. A lot of people, I see the disappointment that they feel that they didn't get to say the words that they need to say or express the feelings that they needed to express. And this is the conversation that we're having. It's a fucking hard one. Mm-hmm. And it's not about you and me about fixing all the people's problems. Sometimes it goes beyond it. Sometimes it needs to go into professional therapy. There are times where I've gone and spoken to people in a professional level and said, I'm having difficulty expressing my feelings. I don't know how to feel about this situation. Where am I going wrong? And once again, they've pointed things out to me where, funnily enough, it goes back to a micro level where I've been dealing with the macro problem. I've been manifesting a lot of junk inside my head. I've been thinking people's responses, which aren't fucking real. Yeah, yeah. They're my responses. Yeah, yeah. Like I've gone home and gone into all these parallel dimensions (laughs) of the things that people are thinking about, which aren't fucking real. Yeah. They're a manifestation of my mindset at the time, the difficulties that I'm having within myself, the demons that I'm tackling. Let's say it's a Glenn Cook and a Pat Stewart conversation. You might have meant one thing and I turned it into 10 different parallel universes of a conversation. And all of a sudden I'm stuck with these things. I've Pat thinks this about me. And then when I come to you the following week and I said, man, I'm fucking furious. You know, you said this to me last week. You say, hang on a minute, give me five seconds to unwrap this and let me tell you the reality of the situation where I was coming from. Even that's conflicting within yourself because then you feel the idiot. Like then you feel like, oh, man, I'm so disappointed. Like now Pat must think I'm a right (laughs) for coming to him and and revealing that I felt all these things when the reality was that. What does he think about me now? Yeah. That happens a lot. Yeah. It happens far too many times. What it's generally called is jumping to conclusions. Yeah. And having that leap of conclusions where it just manifests into this unimaginable and unconquerable demon that we just don't know how to deal with at the time. I love what you said before. I think your call to action is a great one for the end of the year. Let's have conversations with each other. Mm -hmm. If things are blowing out of control, there are just times, and I agree with this myself, there are people that we're just not going to get along with. Mm. That's also fine. And I've had some difficult conversations with people before where I, I have actually said those words. I've just said, I think you and I just agree to disagree on too many things. I just don't think that we're going to have any form of relationship other than being hospitable to each other when we're in the same room. Mm -hmm. Let's focus on that at the bare minimum. For me, that's, again, that's an act of kindness. For the other person, that might be outrageous to hear that. They might think, you uppity fucking asshole. Mm -hmm. How dare you look down on me and talk to me like that? Like you don't know what rattles around in, in people's heads and you don't know the sort of things that have created damage in their life, the things that their parents have said to them, the reasons they feel the way they do. Nobody can do the other person's thinking for them. You're basically trapped inside your own head. But what I can manifest is truth is when I know that I'm sitting down with a person of substance, character, and fortitude, and when they tell me something that I can see that they're wearing the heart on their sleeve, I can take that for gospel. Mm -hmm. If you and I have a conversation, I can take that as gospel. Mm -hmm. And I've told you that before. There is a group of people that I can have a conversation with, a hard conversation with, and I know that I can take that as gospel. I know that if they tell that to me, that's going to be a reality of it. It doesn't mean they might not go home and think on that and think, oh, fuck, that was a difficult conversation to have. I wonder why that played out or I wonder why he's thinking that or where did that come from? It doesn't mean that you won't have extra thoughts on it, but it doesn't mean that I have to think any more of it. Mm -hmm. Where there's other people that I know, if I have a conversation, they say something, I think, 
what did that mean? Mm. Where did that come from? Or they might smile at you or frown at you or do something. There might be a facial gesture where you think, what are you really trying to say to me? To make this a dog thing is imagine what your dog is thinking when you're behaving that way, Mm. when you're split between the personalities that exist inside you, you know, and there are different facial expressions that you're showing your dog, different odors that are coming out of your body, like you're saying one thing and you're smelling a different way. There are so many things where we need to try and bring things into line, Mm -hmm. you know, like try and iron out all the different feelings that are going through us, all the different fragmentations that we're feeling within our own character and try and single it out. Easier said than done. Like, fuck, man, I'm not trying to say to anybody that this is easy by any stretch. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's hard. It's really, really hard. And this year has been a hard year for me and it's been a hard year for a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. I guess this is my way of saying I feel you, I hear you, and I'm, I'm not done. I've still got another. I'm, I'm ha- about to hand over to you, but I, what I'm trying to say to people is keep going. Yeah, yeah. There is good things out there and there is things to aspire to and there is things that are beautiful and remarkable and precious. Mm-hmm. Try and look to that a little bit more. Carry on, sir. All right, let me reframe where we're at. Yes. So we've got persist and resist. Yeah. Under persist, we talked about at an individual level yep. is we're going to persist our education, continue to focus on really truly understanding the basics because excellence is mastery of the basics. At a community level, we said that we want to focus on kindness and that means like true, the difficult kind, right? Not the fake, say the nice thing. I mean, do the right thing and go to bed happy with yourself. Under resist, we had at an individual level is if it's not a fuck yes, then it's a no. Because what we mean by that is really truly understanding what does spin your dials, right? Like what does make you happy and Mm. do those things at an individual level. Do the things that you truly love. But that takes some work figuring out what those things really are. And what you'll probably will find, depending on the type of person you are, but chances are if you're in dogs, you'll understand this kind of things. Like a lot of us are pretty dopaminergic people who like the pursuit of happiness. It's the happiness of the pursuit rather than having something at the end, right? So like when you know that about yourself, like you're good to go. You can understand how you can motivate yourself better and really get to the bottom of what do you really like? What do you not like? What are you indifferent about? And remember it's fine to not have an opinion about things. That's one of the, the wildest things that people, like recently someone asked me my opinion on Israel-Gaza thing, right? Usually on foreign policy type stuff, I used to be very up to date on that. It was my job. I used to know sort of a lot of what was going on with that kind of stuff. And now I just don't. And I said to someone recently, because I have on other international events, I have more information than the average person. And I have opinions on it, right? And someone asked me something about the Israel-Gala thing. And I said, look, I don't know enough to have an opinion worth voicing on that. I have my own thoughts and feelings about it, but none of them are worth saying out loud because they could be changed so easily with new information. This person was like shocked. Like, oh, like that's a weird thing to say. But I was like, it's fine to have no opinion. Yep. It's totally fine to have no opinion on, on things. That's something to keep in mind as well. All right. Our last one, under resist. We've talked individual, I want to talk community, is resist jealousy and looking to others. Mm -hmm. That's one of the most destructive things that we have in our our community. One of the most destructive things that we see in the dog training space is when people want to tear down others just because they're doing well. 
it's a human thing that's very normal and it's something that you have to put in the work to transcend. But I think the only reason you should ever look in someone else's bowl is to make sure they have enough, not to check if they have more than you. And so if you find yourself wanting to cut someone down or you see someone being more successful than you, and maybe you're better than them, but they're being more successful than you, there's a reason. They're doing something that you're not doing. And so rather than trying to take from them or cut them down, that's why I said it before because it's part of my notes here is that the rising tide lifts all the boats. That's going to be our show title. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's what I mean is like you shouldn't be looking to other people within our community who are being successful and looking for reasons why they shouldn't be successful. The only reason you should be looking into how successful somebody else is is if you think maybe you can help them. And that's the only good reason to do it. There's no point to look to someone else and go, what can I take from you? It should be, hey, do you need my help? That's the only reason that you should be looking into how successful somebody else is. And if somebody is more successful than you, then chances are they're doing something that you're not. They have a skill set that you don't, and you should probably be looking to upskill in that space. It's one of the things that we see. I'm sensitive to this. Like I say, I think I'm pretty good on the tools. I'm, I, I am. I'm a very good dog trainer and, and I'm very good at teaching this stuff. But I also know how to market myself. I know how to do the things. And so there's people who are much better than me in both of those but don't have that skill set. And when they look and go, hey, I'm angry because I'm not as successful as I am or not don't get to do the things that I do or whatever, it's because you're not doing all the things that I do. You're with a dog and with people, yes, you're great but you don't know how to pitch yourself. And so those are skills. Those are skills that need to be learned, the skills mm. that I had to learn, the skills that somebody else can learn, and they're putting in the work into it. Yep. We see this especially a lot. Like I see it a lot online and it's not so much in the dog space, although it does exist, but let's talk about outside the dog space so we don't upset anyone, is like the fitness influences. You get a lot of people who don't know shit. They just have great genetics, right? And they've got an online program and they've got a couple of hundred thousand or millions of followers and they're making good money. And you get people who are fantastic trainers who really know their shit and are slowing it out and can't be as successful as these other people because they don't know how to market themselves. They don't know how to do the online bullshit that's necessary for that. And you can complain about that as much as you want. You can complain that this person, like they don't, they're not as good a trainer as me. They don't know all the things that I know, but, but they're more successful. It's because they have a skill set that you don't have, but and it's a skill set get- that you could learn. And and then can you get develop. Nicole Drinkwater who calls them all out. Oh, she's the best, isn't she? <laughs> she's hilarious. She's hilarious. Yeah. But it's the truth. It, yeah. it, it's a skill set and yeah, it's part it of business and it's a learnable skill. That's one of the things of this. So under the resist, resist tearing community apart because of your jealousy of somebody else. Or the only reason you should be looking into somebody else's bowl is to make sure they have enough, not to check that they have more than you. Have you watched The Crown? No. I couldn't resist. I have to talk about a movie or a series okay. from Netflix. It's a requirement of the show. It is. It's part of the show. We can tick that box here. Let me just tick. tick Thank box. you. <laughs> For people playing bingo at home, somebody <laughs> will, will have got it. There was one pivotal moment and spoiler alert, if you are a fan of the show and you are watching it, it's, I'm talking about season six towards the end. So you might want to turn this part off as the aging Queen Elizabeth is coming into conflict about her son, Prince Charles being ready to take the throne everything that's gone on through their lives, the changing tide, how people feel about the monarchy in Britain and her differences of opinion on when she was a young lady compared to an older monarch. I found it interesting. It's drama, so I don't know if it's reality or not. It's more likely drama. But I liked and I appreciated this part of the show where it showed the older Queen Elizabeth and then suddenly her younger self appeared. So the actor who played her as a younger monarch in season one and two Mm -hmm. was appearing in the background. She was confronting herself about 
who she was and what she was and stepping down as the queen to give Charles and Camilla the ability to be the reigning monarchs where her and Prince Philip could then go away and enjoy their lives and she could become an ordinary person once again rather than having to hold the reins. And then her younger self said, you can't do that. You're not that person anymore. You killed that person. She's gone. Mm. The hairs went up on the back of my neck when I I read that because that's what happens a lot of times to us. Mm. We get so involved with a job or a lifestyle or something that we're doing that sometimes we kill the person that's inside us because she remembers herself as a younger person and all the mischief and fun that she wanted to get up to, but then the responsibilities of being sovereign Mm. and becoming Elizabeth Regina. She had to kill Elizabeth Windsor. She couldn't Mm. be that person. The two people couldn't coexist within the same embodiment. And her uncle David, who was the original king, but then abdicated the throne and gave it to his brother, who was her father, he was giving her advice when she was a younger queen and he said, you can't exist in the same embodiment. You can't be Elizabeth Windsor and Elizabeth Regina. You can't be that type of person. You have to let go of that person and become this person. Mm. I think in careers, sometimes we feel that we want to retain that same person, Mm. but sometimes it won't allow us to do that. And sometimes you have to understand if you're choosing a pathway then that's the path that you have to choose. You have to throw yourself behind it. So it was interesting and it's almost in conflict about what we were talking about before. Mm. But it just, it made me think about that. And that's the reason I started thinking more of it as I realised, oh, that had some significance in what was being said there. Yeah, well, it feeds into the last thing I want to say on all the preaching that Incredible. I Incredible. I don't know how I'm doing yeah, this. Yeah, I know, constantly. Um, <laughs> is that... All that stuff that I just say about like goals, you know, reflecting on 2023, projecting into 2024, persist and resist. Like it's super easy to just say, right? And I've been sort of nutting this out over the last couple of weeks. Words knowing, are cheap. Yeah. And, yep. and But, you know, knowing Actions that- speak louder than words. Knowing we like to do this at the end of every year and give people the pump up. I've been thinking about this for ages and formulating how I want to say it. But I also really acknowledge that, it's fucking hard to do. Mm. And I, nor anybody else, it's impossible to make the right choice every time. Mm. There's going to be days where I go to sit down on the table at night and I pull out this book in front of me and I write down what a piece of shit I am and how unhappy I am with myself. But then, you know what I do? I write the date on the next page and I make a plan for how I'm going to be better the next day because that's just reality. That's just how it goes. You can't you really be right do that? all the time. Yeah, fucking oath, man. Why Parts do you feel here. that? Well, there's times I just have not been happy with myself. There's times where I've like reflect on the day and I go, hey, I could have done that better. I'm not happy with how that went. I've made bad choices today. I'm not the best version of myself today because you can't possibly be every day. It's fucking yeah. impossible. Yep. I'm not that hard on myself about it, but I acknowledge it. Okay. And I write Acknowledgement it down here. is fine. Yeah, I write it down here and I go, hey, that wasn't you made some bad choices. You said some things that I wish those words could fucking go back in my mouth or you treated people in a way that you shouldn't have treated them or or you thought about yourself in a way that you shouldn't have thought about. Like all those sorts of things, it's going to happen. No, that's cool. But, I understand that. That's that's fine. But then I put a little line at the bottom of that and I fucking write the date of the next day and I start fresh. Yep. And I think that's what's important when you have these goals for your new year. A lot of people, you know, like the classic new year's resolution, right? I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get healthy, wake up with a hangover January 1st. Fuck that. <laughs> right? But- January 2nd, you can try harder, right? Like that's the thing. Well, each day is a blank canvas, right? There's one thing about that where if you are treating and you have a colleague or a friend or 
a family member who is treating the next day as a blank canvas, don't stand in their way. Don't remind them of the perils of yesterday. Yeah. They're already trying to forget them. Support them on the blank canvas or the new aspirations of the new day. Yeah. And I found myself doing this, you know, like when I speak about these things, I'm quick to punish myself on these own type of things. It's not something that I recognize in other people and not in myself. But there have been times where I've reminded people of, of the things that they've done in the past. Like I want to haunt I want to haunt them and hurt them about the things that they've done in the past. That's something wrong with me. That's not something wrong with them. Mm. That's something that I have to work on in myself. It's not something that I need to beat them up about. Really what I need to do is get out of their fucking way. Because you talked about that before and I totally agree with that. When you're a car that stops in the lane of traffic, look at the cataclysmic effect of what it has on everybody else around you. Look at what it causes. It causes people to be late for work. It causes people to be late to the doctor. It causes parents to be late picking their children up just because your car broke down the lane. Now, some, I'm not saying you can help that, but I'm saying in your behavior you can help that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Standing it still in the middle of busy traffic sometimes, get out of the fucking way. And and also to add to that is learn how to get out of your own way sometimes. Mm. There have been certain times where I've involved in my pity parties and so forth where I've thought, oh, woe is me, the world is against me, everyone hates me, this, that and the other. Sometimes you just got to think, dude, pick yourself up, park that to the side right now, let's get this done, this needs to be done, this is important. It's important not just for you but it's important for other people around you. Then we can revisit this a little bit later on when there isn't such a heavy traffic flow about things that need to be get done. Let's write this down. As you said, acknowledge it, talk about it. Even if it it helps, sit down with somebody who you trust, somebody who is a good conversationalist and somebody that you know is, is not just about being on your side but will tell you the reality in a comfortable place, in a in a nice place, who is gentle with you, but will actually sit down with you and say, hey, man, like there's something in that. I think we should talk to that. Or, or as I said before, Maybe you need to go further. You know, maybe I'm not the right person. Maybe this is a, a discussion a professional needs to have. Yeah, like if you if you keep having these cyclical thoughts and they're holding you back or they're making you feel sick or preventing you from living a fulfilled life, please go and do something about it. Speak mm. to the professional about it who will give you sound advice and who will help you recreate a productive pathway. So that's my circle jerk slash pep talk. Yep. Um, there wasn't much jerking. No, nah, it wasn't, but it was more There, there was a lot of circling. Else. Yeah. yeah. But I think truth is I love this industry and I want it to continue. I love this community. I yeah. think that I tried to leave. I tried. I tried fucking hard. We when both I, have. We've <laughs> talked about our wanting to leave. Couldn't get out and yeah. actually realized that I wasn't happy out. I wanted to be back in and I'd rather – what I found when I tried to leave the dog industry was that – I was happier fighting the battles within the industry than stepping away from out of them and them going on. They're going to happen whether I'm in them or not. Yep. I found that I wasn't happy standing on the sidelines that I'm in. My hope is to continue to build community and to be a part. But I just want to be one small part in a very big community of people moving forward, fighting against the people who would try and derail us. And, Mm. And that's unfortunately something that we're definitely going to be facing more and more going forward. And we need each other more than anything. And you can't be a functioning member of a community when you're not got your own shit together. So that's step one is all those individual skills things, like really focus on yourself, make sure that yourself, you are good to go. And then you can integrate easily into a community. It's when you don't especially like yourself that it's difficult to, you can't like other people if you don't like yourself. That's the reality of it. And so that's why you've got to do that individual work first, and then you'll be able to integrate easily into a community. Yep. That's my take. And 
quite possibly a good place to leave it. That's the spot. Mm. Got anything else? One more thing. Just before we do the official wrap-up, there was a conversation that you're talking about before in regards to the certain way that we feel about each other and the projections that we have towards our dogs, the people around us, etc. I've been getting stuck watching these videos called The Hoof Doctor. The Hoof Doctor? Yes. Oh, guy like that. He goes fixes, and yeah, fixes yeah. cow hooks. Yeah, they're and, easy to get. Oh, man, I tell you, I've wasted <laughs> many toiletry hours yeah, watching your legs the hoof, go numb yep, on the toilet. Yep, yeah, yeah. watching The Hoof Doctor clean up cow hooks. Yeah. And it, it is something that I have no aspirations to yeah, wanting yeah. to do. However, it was incredibly mesmerizing. mesmerizing and fascinating watching these poor old lame cows come in and then he gets the stones out and or cleans pussy infections and gets them walk and ride again. It's magnificent. He's like any artist. He's very clever at what he does. Then there was a clip of a similar person who was dealing with horses. There was a horse in a in a ring enclosure. Like a dressage ring. Yeah, yeah, like a dressage ring and it was tied to the fence. The discussion was that nobody else wanted to touch the horse because the horse kicks and bites them. He gently went over and, you know, like he was talking his way through it and he was showing how he was roping up the horse ready to address the issue with the hoof. And the horse went to kick him a couple of times and went to bite him and do a few things. And he said, the secret here is not to get angry with the horse. He can't help feeling this way. And it's not going to make things any better by being angry and then trying to vindicate my feelings towards the horse by being aggressive towards it. He was talking to the horse in a loving and a calm way and he eventually got the rope around the horse and got to get the hoof up and then start to commence work. And I thought, amazing. Mm. Something in a simple two-minute video that really conveyed a strong message about some of the things that we often get wrong in the training that we're trying to do or how we're trying to address a problem, but not only with the dog, with the handler on the other end of the lead as well. Mm -hmm. Because there's been times where I've been frustrated with people and I can feel it and I think I'm doing a really good job of hiding it, but you don't know what the expression on your face looks like, <laughs> especially when you can see that the other person looking at you is they don't have a look of, oh, this is relief. They have a look of this is dreadful. I'm getting punished here in front of other people or even in front of somebody who I respect and revere and they don't really like me and they don't respect me and they think that I'm a dickhead. Mm. You had lots of good messages, I think both of us have, about trying for kindness, mm -hmm. trying for patience and trying to make sure that we're trying to build better communities in what we're actually doing. And there are genuine people who are trying to do that. I love it. It's just a simple saying. It's a rhyme. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. All right. That's it for another episode of the Canon Paradigm Last one of the year, probably, maybe. I maybe, don't know. Who maybe, knows? who knows? No one never knows. There's Not no us. way to know. Uh, <laughs> if you like what you hear, just fucking go and write a, write a review. Write a review. People did. People actually did. did oh, you? Is it? oh, there's new ones. Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah. I, I put three of the reviews that people, thank you very much. Like, I do know that that is a pain in the ass. Re writing reviews oh, are not my favorite thing. For us, there's a lot of people who are writing reviews about other podcasts. Yep. They're leveraging better than ours because people are actually doing the yeah, reviews for them. it's annoying how important that is, isn't it? It is. I don't like the fact that we're on here begging and begging. scraping for people begging. To, to do. <laughs> to I'm on my do. knees. <laughs> begging. Begging. <laughs> but if you could, that would be great. It is helping. Just the fact that people actually made time to write the comments. It resonated me from when we had Jay on last week about when people did the GoFundMe and he, he was sitting in bed reading lovely things that people were saying along the way. Like 
you don't know how uplifting that is for yeah. your spirits to, to read that. And all of the little intermittent messages that you and I receive personally, collectively, like they are lovely and I have been getting a swag of really nice supportive things that I know are truly coming from the heart of people who don't know me and I don't know them and we've never met each other, they've never met you, but nonetheless they're in all four corners of the world, they're listening to our show, they're part of our community they feel that they've got a connection. They feel like something that we said has resonated. The spiritual uplift and just even the community uplift that I feel that when people say, you have no idea what this has done for me and where this is taking me, like that's coming from a really deep level with some of mm. these people. Like they really mean it as far as not only a business thing but also a mental health thing as well. Yeah, yeah. And that for me is, and I know you've said this, so I'm going to say for us collectively, for us that is a really meaningful experience to share in that because I too, like you have said before, I love this industry. I want to create legacy. I want to know that when I died, I, I was useful for this industry. When I'm gone, I'm gone. All I want to know is that I helped bring people together and I wanted, all I want to do is I want to try and make the dog industry a better industry. I want to make it better for dogs. I want to make it better for people. I want to leave legacy. It's not that I want a statue built in my name. I have no aspirations of that. I don't have delusions of grandeur. I just want to leave something meaningful that other people can do better than me. Mm -hmm. You know, And that is being done to a certain degree. There are people that are doing things better than me and that's what my wishes are. Take what I've given you and make it better. Find some way to make it transcendent. Mm. Mm. Well said, sir. Thank you, sir. So leave a fucking review. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> a good one. <laughs> if you want to support the show, get into Patreon. There's, there's cool stuff in Patreon. There is. And I go live in there every month. When people send you messages, I get all the little follow-up emails from it. Yeah, and I think, yeah. holy shit, like look at all these people like yeah. licking Pat's ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really like those no, lives. It's great. We, and and it's what's good. been awesome about the lives is, you know, it's the same sort of every now and again you get some wild card new people, but it's 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 the same people who are like, Holy shit, this is ten bucks a month and I get to have my question. It's like a private session for me. It's many amazing. Of them, right? It's incredible. Um, like but, incredible. But there's people who, you know, we're like on months three and four of the issue. So they'll ask the question, I say, hey, it's this. And then, okay, I've done that. It'll work. Next step. And we're working through. So it's been really good. I really enjoy them. And it's incredibly generous of you to do them. Oh, it's, they, they give us 10 bucks. So we're doing it. <laughs> and and we're on our way to buying Apple Vision. We're well, getting it. hopefully. We're getting it. If Apple are kind enough and they we're getting it, make Glenn. enough just not to give to we're getting it. Tay Tay we're and all it. her friends. We're getting it. Yeah. Project, okay. Project okay. I'm projecting. Forward. I'm manifesting. Project forward. Manifesting. So anyway, get in there. The other thing you can do is buy a T-shirt. Get a fucking T-shirt. Oh, they yeah. They look sick. They look cool. It warms the cockles of our hearts when we see people wearing our T-shirts. It's amazing. We get a few bucks per one, which is wonderful. It's amazing. You know when you're talking about Sean's logo that mm. – I don't think that's the one that's been out there the most from Jane's art. I think it's the Canine Paradigm logo. Yeah, maybe. I think that's been more around the world than the the Dead Pill Decoy yeah. artwork. 
She wouldn't like that. She doesn't like it. Doesn't matter. It's <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's amazing. How good's the new club logo? Incredible. Yeah. Not only is she a lovely person, a beautiful person, but she's a fucking amazing artist as yeah. well. Uh, I know a lot of people saw that, and now she'll get a lot of follow-ups. But that thing would be expected. That was a lot of fucking work. I that can was tell. Like, that was like thirty-two hours. Of yeah, work. I can tell. Because the the app that she uses, Procreate, logs. I saw how her long doing it on her iPad. Yeah. yeah so um, the app that she uses, it logs how long you're working on it, and yeah. it's. Over 32 hours of work to yep. get that done. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. All right. So jump into Patreon, give us some money, buy some cool shit from Teespring, get some socks and underpants. If you want to get in contact with us, the best way to do that is jump into the discussion group. There's about mm-hmm. 10,000 people in there all having conversations about dog training, life, the universe, and everything else. Yes. So jump into there. Or you can shoot us an email. We are info at the Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All of that. Love you. Goodbye. Bye.